podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Kristen Stoneking, the senior pastor here. And I'm Brian Adkins, associate pastor. Our mission here is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading and a message. Yes, he did, oh Lord, yes, he did. My Lord stood on the mountain top. Yes, he did, oh Lord, yes, he did. And he told the Pharaoh's host to stop. I'm Orion Lacey. I'm your new youth director here. And this morning, our scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 through 31. Christ the power and wisdom of God. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since is the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. <clears throat> Sorry. So that no one Christ boasts in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Jesus Christ, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Peace be to God. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace, the triumphs of His grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to Honors of thy name, the honors of thy name. 
like in the sinner's ear. Tis life and health and peace. Tis life and health and peace. He speaks and listening to his voice, do life the dead rejoicing, the mournful broken hearts rejoice, the humble poor believe, the humble poor believe. Hear him, ye deaf, ye praise, ye dumb, your loosened songs employ, ye blind, behold, your Savior come, and leap ye lame for joy, and leap ye lame for joy. Well, I wonder if you have been following the story of the Moms for Housing in Oakland. Anybody here following that story? Good, a lot of us, excellent. Well, then you know that the Moms for Housing are a group of mothers led by mom Dominique Walker, who moved into a vacant house at 2928 Magnolia Street in Oakland last November. The house had been vacant for two years. Its owner, a real estate investment company called Wedgwood, buys houses in neighborhoods that likely will be increasing in value and then either flips them or sits on them, in other words, just keeps them vacant in order to turn a profit over the course of time. This is happening a lot, we know this, in the Bay Area. And in fact, according to Essence Magazine, there are four times as many vacant houses in Oakland as there are people without shelter. Think about that. So the moms have endured condemnation They've endured the dumping of everything they own into the street. They've endured the assault of a militarized police force um, just for trying to have some shelter for themselves and their children through the worst part of winter. Ms. Walker said, this came out of absolute desperation. These are the times we are living in when your only option is to occupy a house or live with your children on the street. Well, if you've been following the story, you know what has happened. The women did not give up and they organized. Allies rose up behind them. Journalists reported the story. The resulting public pressure on Mayor Libby Schaff caused her to get involved, and now there is an agreement by the city that the house will be sold to the Oakland Community Land Trust from which the moms can purchase it. Sounds like a win, maybe. But the moms don't trust it. The moms don't trust it because the deal allows them to purchase the house at market value. But market value in Oakland is not affordable. The moms have introduced to the discourse on affordable housing the concept of a housing wage, a housing wage. Advocates for an increase in the minimum wage have long talked about a living wage, but the moms are saying that $15 an hour, $16 an hour, $20 an hour doesn't, doesn't get you enough to get housing in Oakland or Berkeley for that matter. 
So the moms are talking about a housing wage. And last week on KQED's forum, host Michael Krasny interviewed lead organizing mom, Dominique Walker. And what struck me the most about this story was when she said this, Magnolia Street is where it all started, so we do want that to be our headquarters. We want to be a resource to the community. This was not just about housing for ourselves, even though we do need housing for ourselves and our children. This was always about the bigger issue of housing being a human right. So we are going to continue to organize until all unsheltered folks have shelter. This was not just about ourselves, she said. As African-American moms, the Moms for Housing, like other African-Americans, experience a disproportionate impact from the housing crisis due to generations deep economic violence. They have suffered the most from capitalism uh, and capitalists who run, uh, such, run companies such as Wedgwood and benefit from it, and the forerunners of those capitalists who bought and sold their own ancestors' bodies. As human beings, when we are under any kind of threat, the dominant impulse can be to take care of ourselves and our own, to get what we need, even if it means others won't get what they need. But this is the logic of capitalism. And with the simple yet revolutionary phrase, this was not just about ourselves. The logic of capitalism was made foolish by the logic of liberation. Now the early church at Corinth also had its own logic. Corinth was an interesting city. It was rebuilt by Rome about 44 years before the birth of Christ. So when Paul was ministering there and setting up the church about 90 years later, it was still a relatively new city. A large percentage of its citizens were recently freed servants or slaves. And as a seaport and a crossroads, it was a boom town. And in this environment, many people saw an opportunity to advance socially or to get rich. But Paul calls them back from that logic toward the logic of the cross. He says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to some, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. These new Christians in Corinth were being called to a radically different way of living. It was more than just an alternative to the dead-end competition and getting and spending of capitalism that Paul was pointing them to. As followers of Christ, Corinthians were being called into ultimate community through Jesus with God that liberated them from the dominant logic of Corinth. The last verses of our scripture today can be translated in this way. 
Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose persons that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? Chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies? That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start, come from God by way of Jesus Christ. The logic of liberation of moms for housing is the same logic Paul is sharing with the Corinthians. When the world says, you don't have a right to housing, God says, of course you do. When the world says, you made mistakes and now pay the price, God says, you have a clean slate and a fresh start with me. When the world looks at structural violence as it manifests in racism, God says, there is another way to live in liberation and in reconciliation. And when the world says, this is mine and only mine, the Moms for Housing say, this was not just for ourselves. Berkeley, too, knows well the struggle between capitalism and liberation that the Moms for Housing symbolize. My friend Michael Nagler, who started the Peace and Conflict Studies program at UC Berkeley and was a student leader in the free speech movement, has said, Berkeley is the most conservative liberal city I know. <laughs> And in the midst of this struggle sits Epworth. Around us are homes that have risen in value above the million dollar mark and beyond. And the logic of capitalism seems to be shouting at us. But we are listening to the voice of God who says, my ways are not the world's ways. We are listening to the mom's logic which says, this was not just about ourselves alone. This weekend begins Black History Month, a reminder to do what we should all be doing all year to learn about and lift up the lives of our African-American siblings. And when I think about logic that subverts and overrules the world's logic, I think about African-American activist, organizer, and liberator, Bayard Rustin, who worked for the same organization that I worked for before coming to Epworth, the Fellowship of Reconciliation. I didn't know Bayard, he, was, uh, he died when I was still a teenager, but I got to know his surviving spouse, Walter Nagel, over our lunches in the Chelsea neighborhood uh, near where he worked. Walter and Bayard defied the world's logic of love. They married each other when Bayard was late in years and Walter was a younger man with several decades between their, their ages. Bayard is known as the architect of the 1963 March on Washington at which Dr. Martin Luther King preached the famous words, I have a dream. But even before that, Bayard was an activist and organizer who brought into being the forerunner to the F Montgomery Freedom Rides when he and other Fellowship of Reconciliation staffers organized a series of bus rides 
through the Deep South that was designed to test the Supreme Court ruling that struck down segregation on interstate bus traffic. They were jailed many times. They experienced abuse. They experienced physical violence. And yet they knew that the logic of liberation said people are free to move and be whoever and wherever they want to be. As a Quaker, Bayard challenged the world's logic and said that war is, that, that said war is not necessary when we seek peace. He was a conscientious objector in World War II, a, a war that was very difficult to conscientiously object to. And he challenged the logic of a society at the time that suggested that love could only be between a man and a woman as he affirmed his own sexuality as a gay man. And he defied the world's logic that persons of different races must be kept separate and that African Americans were entitled to less with his long career of working for civil rights. We are better as a human community because Bayard followed the logic of the cross, the logic of love and liberation. And so I ask you today, what logic are you accepting? What logic are you accepting? Is it a life-giving and life-affirming and life-loving logic? Well, today we are celebrating the end of our three-year capital campaign where we looked at our building and we imagined ways it could be transformed into new spaces for new graces. The logic of the world might have said that a church of 300 people couldn't take on a million-dollar renovation. But look what we did. Look what we did. We looked around and we said, this is not just about ourselves alone, and we know we have more to give. May that be the logic that drives us. May that be the logic that we follow, and may it be so in every aspect of our lives. Amen. You've been listening to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Brian Adkins, Associate Pastor here. We'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. If you are here in Berkeley, Epworth's worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 1953 Hopkins Street at the corner of Napa and Hopkins. And I'm Senior Pastor Kristen Stoneking. If you connect to our podcast from further away, we would invite you to visit our website, epworthberkeley.org. We'd invite you to keep seeking to grow in faith and to stop by the next time you're in Berkeley.